Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292. It is very, very odd to me extremely odd to me that there are people out there who are still denying that the October 7th massacre of Jews happened. It is extremely odd to me that women can be raped, can be murdered, families could be burned alive, people could be taken hostage, and there are still people in the world who depict themselves as intelligent people who still deny that it happened. It seems unbelievable to me that the murderers, the, the terroristic murderers, the genocidal killers that broke into Israel on October 7th with the sole intention of killing Jews, recorded their crimes on their own, on their own devices, live-streamed them, and yet there are still people out there who are denying that it actually happened. It seems odd that we've gotten to this point in the world. It seems weird to me. Now, I might not be the only one who feels this way, but uh, <laughs> it sure is strange that when a murderer records his murders, when a criminal records their crimes, and it's there for everybody to see that somehow these criminals could deny that they did the crime, even though they're proud of it. Well, then again, it's not the criminals that are denying that they did the crime, is it? It is the people who are apologists for these criminals who denied that they did the crime. So the criminals themselves are saying, hey, we're proud of what we did. Many of them were very proud. They ran and they called their parents to tell them that they killed Jews. They posted their victories on, on social media. They carried bodies of dead women that they had raped, tortured, and murdered uh, on their backs of their trucks into town so that the townspeople could cheer them on, which they did. And yet there are still people out there denying that it happened. How is this possible? The Israeli government put out a 47-minute video that they've shown select people. They haven't shown it to everybody, but they've shown select people of the gruesome atrocity that was committed by the Nazi genocidal death cult of Hamas. And yet there are still people out there who are denying that it happened. The people of Gaza celebrated the murder of the Jews on October 7th. They got into the streets they raised their arms and yelled, thank you, Allah. They handed out candy to celebrate the murder of Jewish families, of Jewish babies, of innocent people. But let's go back in time. Let's go back to 2006, when Ariel Sharon told every man, woman, and child, who was the Prime Minister of Israel, out of Israel, out of uh, Gaza. When Ariel Sharon, the Prime Minister of Israel, decided enough was enough, 
Gaza was going to be vacated by Israel. Israel doesn't want Gaza anymore. And they removed every man, woman, and child. I remember that happening. I remember the grief and the horrific grief that the families felt as their loved ones were dug up as they moved the cemeteries from Gaza to Israel. I remember the fights over, do we rip down the buildings? Do we leave the buildings up? Do we leave the infrastructure? Do we help the Arabs in Gaza create a new life for themselves and give them the towns? Remember the Israeli government saying, we'll leave the synagogues up, we'll leave some of the structure up, we'll leave the infrastructure in place, but we're going to take down the buildings, at least let them build their own buildings. I remember that conversation. Remember them fighting over whether it was Jewishly possible to rip down the buildings uh, that were synagogues. And the answer was no, and they left them standing. I remember the American philanthropists donating millions of dollars so that the greenhouses and the warehouses and the factories that the Jews of Gaza used to build industry there would stay intact, would remain in Gaza so that the Arabs could build a new life and could create a beautiful Palestinian state. Remember that happening too. Jewish donors in the United States giving millions of dollars so that the Arabs could have industry in Gaza, the Gazans could build a life for themselves, build a beautiful state, build a state that would be the envy of any Mediterranean state. And I remember the day after the army pulled out of Gaza, the day after the Jews were all gone, the day after the area with Judenrein, the Nazi death cult moved in, burned down everything that was left. All the industry burned to the ground. All the machinery that left destroyed. All the buildings left that Arabs could have moved into, that Arabs could have used to help build their state, destroyed. All the infrastructure, the pipings, the, uh, the plumbing, the electricity, all ripped out. And the pipes uh, used to make bombs, missiles, that could be shipped and thrown into Israel. Launched into the towns surrounding Gaza. And I remember, in the week after the Jews left Gaza, in the week after Gaza was returned to the Gazans, that Israel stopped their so-called occupation of Gaza, I remember starting the week after, the day after the Jews left, rockets started falling on the heads of Jews in southern Israel. So all these towns that we're hearing about where Jews were massacred on October 7th, since 2006 have been the victims of missiles falling on their heads daily, hourly, coming out of Gaza, fired by Hamas and the Gazans. Now, what's interesting to me, and what is never spoken about by anybody, is the fact that missiles were falling on the heads of Jews in southern Israel for the good part of 17, 18 years. There were never any UN resolutions calling for Hamas to stop 
bombarding Israeli civilian populations with missiles. There was never an outcry from a human rights organization screaming, hey, the children of Israel, the children of southern Israel, should not have to live in bomb shelters, should not have to go to school in bomb shelters, should not have to be five seconds away from a bomb shelter because bombs keep falling on their heads. No outcry from them. UNESCO didn't, didn't create a special fund for the children of Starot or the children of Barry, nor have they done that now. But they, they, even back then, they didn't create a fund to try to help the people of southern Israel who were being constantly bombarded by genocidal rockets aimed indiscriminately at civilian populations, which is a war crime, a recognized war crime, indiscriminate attacking of civilian populations. Nobody said a word. Not one human rights organization said, hey, Hamas, stop bombing Israel. Not one world leader got up and said, hey, the people of Israel deserve to live in peace. The people in Israel, in southern Israel, deserve to live and not have bombs falling on their heads. Not one person. Not one world leader. Not one UN representative. Not one human rights activist. Not one rally. Not one riot. Not one peep. Absolute silence. As bombs rained on the heads of Jews, innocent Jews, living their lives in mainline Israel. I want you to tell me, and, and be honest, how is it possible that Jewish lives were at jeopardy continuously for 17 years with rockets, missiles falling onto the heads of children, falling into, into nurseries and into kindergartens, into elementary schools? A whole generation of children raised in a bomb shelter. How is it possible? that the world didn't care? How is it possible that the people who are now standing and screaming ceasefire, or they're now standing and screaming, you're committing genocide against the Gazans? How is it possible that these people did not get up and scream and yell and demand that Hamas stop trying to commit genocide against the Jewish people? Why, why are Jewish lives less valuable than Gazan lives or any other lives. Why did nobody care? The answer to me is simple. It's, it's just really an easy answer. And uh, I don't really have to give it a lot of thought. A lot of stuff I do on the show, a lot of stu stuff I say on the show, I give a lot of thought to. This I don't have to give a lot of thought to. The answer is simple. Because Jews were the victims. And Jews are not allowed to be the victims. They're never allowed to be the victims. There always has to be a reason why Jews are being attacked. There always has to be a reason why Jews are being targeted. So in the 1940s and the 1930s, when the Nazis started targeting the Jews, the reason the Jews were being targeted was because they controlled the economy and they were stealing money from the Germans and, and the German people. Look how the Jews were living compared to the way the Germans were living. And this was unacceptable and we had to usurp the Jewish population because the Jewish population was stealing money and they were taking money from the common, uh, from the common German. That was the excuse used by the government to, to eradicate the Jewish people of Germany. When uh, Jews were attacked in, in, in Spain, the Spanish Inquisition, 
the the reason was that the Jews were following a Bible that that was contrary to the Christian Bible, and therefore, if they didn't accept the Christian Bible, they would have to die. And in Israel, they were attacked in a genocidal attack on October 7th. There's no question about it that had the people who attacked the Jews on October 7th had the opportunity, they would have murdered every man, woman, and child in the entire state of Israel. They came to kill Jews. They didn't come to free land. They didn't come to conquer. They didn't come to fight armies. They came to kill Jews and as many as they could. They came to rape and destroy women and children. They came to, to cause destruction. They came to kidnap people. They came to, they came to take hostages. They just came to destroy the Jewish population, to try to destroy Jewish resolve. Ironically, they, they, their first attack, when they attacked a, a peace music festival, a music festival that was promoting peace with the Arabs, particularly the Gazans, was held on the border of Gaza for a reason. The people there were peaceniks who, who believed that there could be some kind of negotiated peace, there could be some kind of peace with Gaza. And, and the peace concert was there to, 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 to inspire them to continue to work towards peace with Gaza. The people in Barry, the people in Sturat, they, they were people who, who spent their lives trying to help the Arabs of Gaza, driving them to hospitals, bringing them food, fighting with the Israeli government, trying to get the Israeli government to, to somehow change their policies or, or whatever, whatever deluded, uh, psychotic things that these lefties thought that was happening with the Israeli government. They were trying to get the government to change their stance so that the people of Gaza could live a better life. Didn't really matter, did it? These people came in and murdered them anyway. Even if they were on their side, they murdered them. They didn't care what side they were on. So when people tell me, and when politicians tell me, and when North American politicians tell me, that there has to be a negotiated settlement, that there has to be some kind of diplomatic answer to this, I tend to laugh. Now, I don't laugh because I don't believe that... I, I don't laugh because I don't want peace. Don't get me wrong. That's not why I laugh. I laugh because I know that a negotiated settlement is not going to work. Because I know history, and I understand history. I understand that... After 9-11, George Bush decided to negotiate with Saddam Hussein, and he sent Condoleezza Rice, his black Secretary of State, over to Iraq to negotiate with, a, with, a, with an Arab leader. A black woman to negotiate with an Arab leader. I understood, even back then, that that was a bad idea. That not only will the Arabs not negotiate with a woman, <laughs> They're definitely not going to negotiate with a black woman. It is a culture that is not understood in the West, which is why you have all these Westerners who, who are getting up and saying, hey, you know, we, we must install Western democracy in the Middle East. It is not possible to have a Western democracy in the Middle East. Now, most some of you might point to Israel and say, well, Israel's a Western democracy. It's not. Israel's not a Western democracy, and which is why Israel is reacting to the attack on their country the way they are because they understand the region they understand 
that you can't use Western tactics, you can't use Western diplomacy with Arabs. It doesn't work. They don't understand it. It's not part of their culture. It's not part of the way they are. The Arab population in the Middle East knows two things. One, they don't want Jews in the Middle East, therefore Israel must go. This is the first thing they know. And the second thing they know is that a negotiated settlement is only a stepping stone to their first point, the destruction of the State of Israel. So once you understand that, and the Western societies don't seem to understand that, once you understand that, then you know that a negotiated settlement in the Middle East is not an attainable thing. It's not a possible thing. Then the second question. If that is the case, then what is the solution in the Middle East? What is the solution to this problem? It's been going on for years. What is the solution? And unfortunately for, for Westerners who, who don't like this answer, the solution is war. When you have two people who are fighting, and they want to sit down and negotiate a settlement. And there's always a negotiated settlement. At the end of every word is negotiated settlement. But you have two people who are fighting. And one of them starts the negotiation with, we want to kill you and we don't care what you have to say. We will continue to kill you until you die. There's not much left to negotiate. What's the other side supposed to say? Please don't kill us. Let's negotiate my survival. Let's negotiate how you're going to kill us. Maybe we should lie down and you should just roll your trucks over us. What is the other side supposed to say when the first side is saying, all we want to do is kill you? So, so in my world and in the world that I believe in, if, if an enemy comes and says, I want to kill you, then the only solution to I want to kill you is, well, I have my guns, you have your guns. Let's see who wins. That is the only solution. And I hope and pray that my guns are stronger than their guns. Because I'm not going to convince the enemy who wants to kill me that, that I deserve to live. The enemy is never going to believe that I deserve to live. Why would they? They've already made the decision that they want to kill me. So why would they believe that I, I deserve to live? And so if the enemy doesn't believe that I deserve to live, and they don't see the value in my life and in my survival then my only choice at that point is to protect myself in any way possible. So if, if an enemy comes and they cut my arm off, and then they tell me, You're gonna, we're going to keep coming back and cut off other limbs of your body until you are dead, and we're going to do it over and over and over and over and over again, well, I don't think I have much of a choice but to defend myself in any way possible. So if that enemy comes anywhere near me, or, or maybe I should do a preemptive... Uh, a preemptive self-defense thing, knowing that the enemy is, is standing right there, and if I don't, if I hit him now, and I shoot him now, maybe he won't come back to cut my other arm off. Sometimes that's the only solution, and and that's where Israel's standing right now. That's where we're at. And while I love to hear people yelling ceasefire, 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 if we look at history. And we look back, not that far <laughs> long ago, anytime Israel's had a ceasefire with Hamas, Hamas has broken the ceasefire within a week. 
The only reason Hamas wants a ceasefire is to restock on guns, to, re- to recruit new people to fight, and to get new, new bombs that they could launch into Israel. That is the only reason Hamas ever wants a ceasefire. Hamas's stated goal, it's their goal in their charter, it's been their goal since 1987 when they were founded, it's been the goal of the PLO since 1964 when they were founded, it's been the goal of the Palestinian people since 1964 when they were founded. The only goal of all these people is the destruction of the state of Israel. Period. There is no other stated goal. The destruction of the state of Israel. If Israel wanted to commit a genocide, which they're being accused of doing, if Israel wanted to commit a genocide of the Gazans, this whole war would have been over in 45 minutes. Not even. Israel has enough weaponry. Israel has enough armaments. Israel has enough machinery that within a half hour to 45 minutes, the entire Gaza Strip could have been flattened. Not man, woman, or child would be alive in the Gaza, and Israel wouldn't have lost one soldier. And if Israel would have taken the notes from, from any other country in the world, they would have done it with the hostages there too. Sacrificed the hostages to get rid of their problem. That's not what Israel did. That's not what Israel's doing. Because Israel values life. Because Israel believes that innocent people shouldn't die. Period. So they're doing their best to try not to kill innocent people. Now, do innocent people get in the way in a war? Always. Does Hamas throw innocent people in the way? Definitely. And they do it on purpose. Hamas's second state of goal, or third state of goal, is the propaganda war against Israel. This is what they try to do. So what they do, they hide amongst civilian populations. They don't let people flee. When Israel tells them to flee, they send them text messages and send them uh, posters and, and, and drop leaflets. When Israel tells people to flee and people try to flee, Hamas forces them to go back to their homes. And they tell them, we want you to die so we can hold your bodies up to the video cameras and say, this is what the Israelis did. They killed this woman. They killed this child. We want to use your bodies as propaganda. So therefore, you must die for us. Become martyrs. Go to have, go to go to Allah. Meet your seventy virgins. Strange death, sex cult. And that's the purpose. And that's that's what they're doing. And the world is eating it up. And it's, it's amazing. The world is eating it up. Every time they. Tell me that 10,000, 20,000, 100,000, 500,000 Arabs were killed in Gaza. And that comes from the Gaza Health Ministry. I can't help but think the Gaza Health Ministry is Hamas. You're quoting numbers from Hamas. Should we believe those numbers? Do you believe a genocidal terrorist organization when they tell you that, you, that the other side killed as many people? Who knows? Do I believe that no innocent civilians are killed? Of course not, because in every war, innocent civilians are killed. There's always collateral damage. Do I believe that's the numbers that Hamas is telling me? Definitely not. Absolutely not. 100% not. It just seems amazing to me. It just seems mind-boggling to me that the world media decided that they were going to accept this at face value, that the world media decided that this was the truth. When Israel says 
They were raping and murdering women. It took 87 days for the New York Times to finally acknowledge that the rapes and the murders happened on October 7th. Imagine. There were people who lost their careers in the Me Too movement in 30 seconds after they were accused of raping someone 40 years ago. But here we have mass rape and murder and torture happening on camera, live-streamed on social media. And the world keeps yelling, prove it. And the New York Times takes forever to acknowledge it. I wanted to look at some of the protests that are happening. And it's amazing how many people come out to these protests, isn't it? It's amazing how violent these protests get very quickly. And I was wondering why. And so I spoke to a couple of counterterrorism experts that I, that I know, that I've dealt with over the years. And I said, isn't it odd? When, when, whenever we had protests for Gaza or for Palestinians or for, or, or, or for, for the anti-Israel movement, it's always been a handful of people who have come out to protest. It's never been hundreds of thousands of people. It's always been a handful in North America, for sure. They, they go out and they protest in front of the synagogue, or they go out and they protest in front of an Israeli consulate. They give a couple of fiery speeches, and off they go. It's always been a handful. But now we have thousands and thousands of people coming out. And I can't imagine that these thousands of people care at all about the Gazans or about the Palestinian cause or about any of that. So I asked this counterterrorism expert that I know, that's a friend of mine, and I said to him, how is it possible that suddenly hundreds of thousands of people around the world care about Gaza? And he looked at me, he started laughing. And he laughed really hard and he laughed for a really long time. And when he stopped laughing, he said to me, Howie, these aren't people who care about Gaza. These are, and we saw it, and, and he said we could prove it, these are Antifa and BLM people. I said, really? He's like, yeah. He said, don't you remember at the beginning on October 8th, even maybe it was even October 7th, that BLM, the Black Lives Matter movement, posted a fly, a, a guy, a paratrooper, or a guy on a, on, on a hand glider and said, we stand with Gaza? And don't you remember Antifa did the same thing? These people look for a cause to latch their wagon onto, and then they go out and they, they, and they follow the cause. So most of the protesters, he said, that you see standing there, he says there are Arabs amongst them who are part of Antifa and part of the BLM movement. He said, but most of the protesters that you'll see in North America and in Europe are all part of this Antifa movement, all part of this, these, these anarchists who just latched onto any, anything that they can in order to wreak havoc around the world. And that's, who are, that's who's causing this trouble. I found that theory absolutely fascinating. Because if it's true, and if it's true, and it, it may well be true, that the, the anarchists, the, the, the uh, Black Lives Matter people, the, um, the communists are all joining together now to fight against Israel, the colonialist occupier. It, it might be true, I find it fascinating. 
Where were these people 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago? Where were these people, if they care so much about human rights and dead babies, where were these people when rockets were falling on the heads of people starot? Nowhere to be found. So Crimea River, as they say, when it comes to these people who are protesting, I, I couldn't care less about them. They could yell and scream all they want, but they're all a bunch of fakes. And they're all a bunch of liars. And the yelling of the, from the river to the sea has generated so much conversation. Oh, wow, so much conversation, but it's really simple. There, there shouldn't be that much conversation about this. And I've heard a lot of Jews who have been arguing that they don't mean genocide. Of course they do. Of course they do. They mean the annihilation of the state of Israel because from the river to the sea was a chant that was created in the 1960s. And in fact, in 1964 with the creation of PLO. And their goal was to wipe out Israel from the river to the sea. That was the idea of the chant. That was the idea of the PLO. If you look at any, any, jewelry, any map or anything put out propaganda-wise about Palestine, they're not asking for the West Bank. They're not asking for the Gaza Strip. They don't want the West Bank of the Jordan River. They don't want the Gaza Strip. They want all of Israel. The map of Palestine that you see anywhere is the entire map of Israel. So don't lie to me and don't try to fool me and don't try to fool the world by saying from the river to the sea does not call for the genocide of people, of Israelis, of the Jewish people. Of course it does. And you're a liar if you, don't, if you, if you, if you pretend that it doesn't. You're an absolute liar. But there's a lot of liars out there. There are a lot of people who are liars out there. A lot of people who, who, who believe that the Jews shouldn't exist at all. And we see them cropping up. Go watch some newscasts. Go watch some, uh, some of these talk shows. And just watch some of the guests as they refuse to condemn the indiscriminate killing of men, women, and children, the, the kidnapping and the hostage-taking of babies. Listen to the testimony of the women who came back from Gaza, who were released from Gaza, and what happened to them when they were there. Listen to the testimony of the kids, the little boys and the little girls that were released from Gaza and what happened to them there. Then you tell me that you want these people, these monsters, you want them to run a country next to Israel after what they did on October 7th, after what they did to the hostages? You want them to run a country? You want Israel to live next to them? You want people to live next to them? And trust that they're not going to come and do it again? The Israeli government's not genocidal. They're not, they're not suicidal. They'd have to be suicidal to allow that. So stop yelling for a ceasefire. What's wrong with you? Ridding Hamas of the Middle East throwing them into total disarray will mean that another organization will pop up eventually. That's for sure. But it's going to take at least a decade for that to happen. 
Don't the people of Israel deserve to live in peace? And the people of Gaza deserve to live in peace for at least a decade? Do they not? And if you don't feel that they do deserve to live in peace, even the people of Gaza don't want Hamas. If you, deserve, if, you, if, you, if you feel that Hamas deserves to still hang around and still be there, then maybe you should move to Gaza. Just be there with them. Live the life. Enjoy it. There were a couple of people, well, quite a few people, queers for Palestine, which makes me laugh. It only makes me laugh because it's so sad and pathetic that, 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 that I laugh at the sadness and the patheticness of it. Just yesterday, an article appeared on most national media. Uh, you may have missed the article. It was a very small article. It appeared on many, many, many different news sites about a man in the areas of Judea and Samaria in Israel, an Arab man, was taken by the PLO, by the Palestinian Authority, and he was beheaded. They cut his head off. Why, you might ask? Why would they cut the man's head off? What did he do? What crime did he commit to have his head cut off? The crime he committed, he was gay. And he got off lucky. They just cut his head off. Because if he was in Gaza, they would beat him up, they would torture him, and then they would throw him off a tall building. So people who are queer, who are standing for Hamas. I don't know. They must be suicidal. Once again, go to Gaza. Go live with Hamas. Sometimes the only way to understand what you're standing for is to experience it. So go. Enjoy yourself. Take a vacation. There's a lot of nice resorts in Hamas, in, in Hamas land. There really are, by the way. Anyone who tells you that uh, Gaza was an open-air concentration camp or an open-air prison, as they like to say, is deluded. Just go onto TripAdvisor and look for luxury hotels in Gaza, and you'll find a whole bunch of really beautiful hotels on the, on, on the coast. And then take a look at Gazan uh, supermarkets and Gazan uh, shopping malls. The Gazans, uh, granted, not everybody lives a life of luxury because not everybody anywhere lives a life of luxury. But most Gazans don't live a bad life. And they might be oppressed by their government. Hamas might, might, might control the way they, the way they behave and the way they, um, and the way they live their lives uh, religiously. But they, they don't live a horrific life. And speaking of, speaking of uh, the idea that Israel is blockading uh, Gaza and Israel stopping aid from coming into Gaza, which is totally untrue. In fact, Israel's the only border that's open with Gaza. Egypt's Rafah border has been closed indefinitely. Israel lets hundreds and hundreds of trucks of aid into Gaza every day, only for Hamas to hijack the trucks, kill the people, and take everything for themselves and not allow their people to have any aid sent in, much like they did with the billions of dollars. They took the money and they built the tunnels, the billions of pounds of cement that were sent in to help build buildings 
they took that and built tunnels and the billions of dollars they took and put into their bank accounts and live a life of luxury in Qatar. Not, not to mention all that. The billions of dollars that Arafat stole when he was the head of the PLO that are still sitting in a safe deposit box in Switzerland that his wife is living off of. Let's not mention that because, you know, mentioning that stuff is a faux pas. People don't like when we mention this kind of thing. People get upset. They, they call it Zionist propaganda, even though it's true. So, so let's not mention the billions and billions of dollars and the, of aid and everything else. We could just look at the videos of, and you can look it up, it's there. You can look at the videos of Hamas soldiers, we'll call them soldiers, terrorists, dealing the aid coming in from Israel, attacking the trucks, killing people, Gazans, innocent Gazans, killing them because they were trying to come and get a bag of potatoes. You can watch the videos yourself. I don't have to show them to you. They're there. They're readily available. Just search it. It's, it's, it's really revolting. But it's the truth. Yet Israel gets blamed for not sending aid. Of course they're sending aid. Israel's losing soldiers daily because they're going door to door looking for terrorists. They're not just, they're not just attacking. They're not just carpet bombing the place. They're going door to door. They're looking for terrorists. And they're losing soldiers on a daily basis because of that. Now, some might say that's Israel's craziness. They did that in Jenin too, and they lost numerous terrorists when they went door to door in Jenin looking for looking for uh, terrorists. They lost lost a bunch of soldiers. But Israel feels that the sacrifice of the soldiers, that some of the soldiers will be sacrificed in order to save lives. Sometimes you got to lose lives in order to save lives. And this is their goal, is to take as little innocent life as possible. It's a noble goal. And it's been the goal of Israel from the beginning. Israel has never wanted to take innocent life. Yet here we are, with liars in the street, yelling and screaming that Israel's committing a genocide. Liars on television, screaming that Israel's committing a genocide. Liars everywhere you look. And yet, you might comment, you might post up that I drank the Kool-Aid and I'm, uh, I, I'm indoctrinated. I am not indoctrinated. I believe in reading everything. And I read everything from Al Jazeera to, to Israel National News and everything in between. And I'm telling you, even Al Jazeera has reported about Hamas taking the aid from the Gazans. Yet the people protesting, who continuously want to cause havoc, wreak havoc, continuously want to paint Israel in a bad light, continuously want to attack Jews, will continue to tell you otherwise. Do the research. Look at the news from all angles. Understand what's going on. Don't believe the propaganda. And don't believe anything I told you. Please, look it all up. And don't believe anything that any of these protesters are telling you. Look it up. And you might find the story is very different from what you hear on the news. Very different from what you hear on my show. Very different from what you hear from the protesters. Look it up. Do some research. Research is easy today. The internet exists. Use it. Productively.
And you'll see right away that the story you know, or the story you think you know, is not actually true. And that Israel is not actually the aggressor. And that blaming Israel for the war against Hamas now is like blaming a rape victim for being raped. It's like blaming somebody who, who was, when somebody comes to commit attempted murder against someone, when someone comes to murder somebody, if he kills him first, blaming him for murdering the murderer. Don't blame the victim. That's what we're always told. Don't blame the victim. Okay, that's all the world is doing right now. Howie Silberger, thank you for joining me. I will see you again next time right here on the show. Have a great day.